ride with me in my foul life. Mm. One of the things I've learned is that you should never stop learning. Never. Let me say that again. One thing I've learned is that one man or woman should never stop learning. And I think that duck calling, duck hunting, I think that's what drives me to be, you know, the best I can at this game or this lifestyle. I feel it's the most complex out of all the hunting. I know I'm going to get, you know, fight back on that. I'm going to get people saying, no, you're wrong. Mule deer hunting is the most sought after trophy. The dangerous five in Africa climbing a sheep mountain. I'm not saying any of those aren't unbelievably difficult and complex and hard. I just feel that as a whole, the game, the puzzle, completing it, being a perfectionist, getting it all right in waterfowl hunting is the most difficult form of hunting for consistent success. And part of that is the vocalization, the vocabulary, the jargon, talking to these wild animals. The, 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 the vocabulary of Canada geese is so complex. Mallard ducks is timing and clarity and authenticity and legitimacy and volume and tone and pitch and what to say when and when not to say anything. And, you know, you mix that with everything that goes into the hunt. It's just complex. So I love it because you never stop learning. And that's what we wanted to talk today on the Fat Life Podcast brought to you by our friends at Gerber Gear. Stay sharp, America. What you cutting up today? I know what I'm cutting up. I know what I cut up last night, some 4-H pork chops with some of that provider swine rub. Today, I'm going to be cutting chucker partridge off of the bone after we traeger them up with some of our covey rub we're going to mix that covey rub with a little whiskey bent the bird maybe the blazing bird if i feel like a little spicy but the point is is i like to have a sharp object to cut the meat off the bone stay safe always but gerber is there for us i'm talking axes machetes saws and knives folding blades and straight blades and lock blades you name it they stay sharp they make us better and they go with us wherever we are during the season the off season everywhere. Thank you, Gerber. Today's episode of the Fowl Eye Podcast is also brought to you by Jargon Game Calls. JargonGameCalls.com. You talk about perfection. You talk about tolerances that are legit. And I'm talking so much thought went into the design of these calls. So say what you will, but don't say anything negative about these until you put one in your hands at your local dealer's If you order one off of our website, you're going to hear Mallard. I call it being Mallard Lee. Our slogan is keep talking. We like to listen. We like to be a sponge. We want to learn, but we also want to keep talking on that call. We want to practice. We want to get the, be the best we can. So you are going to wear your mom out. If you're in the garage, if you live with your mom and dad, still your girlfriend, your wife, you might be the husband and your girlfriend or wife is wearing you out with it, but you got to keep practicing. And today we're going to talk to the man behind the designs again, Chris Cifrio from Jargon Game Calls, Arkansas, Northeast Arkansas area. He's a mallard master, but he also understands teaching and how to get people to create the right habits to become better on a call. It's all about creating the right habits, whether it's nutrition and diet, whether it's finances and banking and spending money, saving money, you know, protecting your investments, return on investment. It's all about creating good habits. The younger 
age we can do this, the earlier in our life or our hunting career we can create good duck calling habits, the better off we're going to be. Does that make sense, Chris Cifrio, creating good habits? Oh, it does. It does. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I wish we could get a habit over here for us of it getting starting to get warm because <laughs> it has stayed cold for way too long. I don't. I think it's going to be a great season next year, man. I'm kind of optimistic. I think being at a stake so cold, the birds stayed here so long. We were still seeing mallards a week ago, you know, or about two weeks ago over here. Um, so it's crazy. But yeah, I agree 100%. I think the biggest thing that people do is, uh, and I tell this, this is kind of the thing that I tell everybody whenever I'm sitting in a duck blind and they're like, hey, how can I get better? And I tell them, well, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You got to quit doing exactly what you've been doing and try something different. You know, you see that a lot. You see guys in the duck blind, see that guys in, you know, the field, whatever, they, they'll blow a call and they do it the same old, same old, same old way every single time. And they never change anything up. And if I can give any advice to somebody, it's to, to don't repeat what you're doing. Try something different. You know, try to move your mouth around. Try to make your tongue stay at the bottom. Try to do your feed call in a different way. The only way that you're going to get better is by changing something up. You can't do something over and over again. If you cut the grass the same way every day and it's same old blotchy, you know, patches everywhere, so forth. You got to change something up. You got, hey man, you might need to sharpen your blades, right? You might need to do this. You might need to do that. And I know I refer to grass cutting, but I, but you know, everybody that I've seen in the field, other than a few, they'll continue to do the same thing over and over again. And it's that's my one piece of one best piece of advice I can give to you is to try to change things up. You can get better, and if you sound like a mallard to yourself. If you sound ducky to yourself, you probably are ducky, you know, as far as on a call. So a lot of people say, man, I get, I'll blow and I can't really tell if I'm sounding right. You know, well, you can tell if you're fluent. You can tell if you're basically, you know, blowing a good quack, blowing a good hail call, if it's staying a straight line and it's not dropping off and just going back up. Same thing with competition callers. You know, you got guys that are get on a hail call and they just string out that one first note. You know, you can tell if you're holding that note steady. So uh, by just changing changing things up and trying something different and trying to basically call the right way, uh, that's the best piece of advice I can give to anybody. But we'll go into as far as on talking about, you know, how, how you can perfect that, um, you know, as far as in the duck call world. Uh, one thing that you can do that I did because again, and I've referred back to this in previous podcasts, is is that whenever I first learned how to blow a call, I wanted to learn how to blow a hail call, like a hunting style hail, not a ringing hail, like a competition hail, but a hunting style hail. And the reason why is because uh, I watch guys basically in the timber and they'd have five, six guys on a call and they would all be blowing hunting style hail calls. And it's just powerful. And when you hear that in the woods and you see the birds react, you just, that's, that's something you want to be able to accomplish. And so uh, the only way I was able to do it is, you know, and really get it to perfectly down is to be able to put the call down and then pick it up and put it to your mouth, put it down, pick it up, put it to your mouth. And so blow, put it down on the counter, blow, you know, put it, put it in your mouth, blow, put it down on the counter and keep on doing that way back and forth. And what that'll do is, is that'll let your mind reset instead of just sitting there, Blowing it, just trying to 
finagle your mouth or whatnot. If you pick it up, it's a reset in your mind that you make every time you put it down. Same thing on a feed call. If you're doing a feed call and your tongue twisted, you know, uh, a lot of times you don't even have to sit there and blow into the call. I mean, I've heard you walk around doing it all the time. You'll go, and I do the same thing. You know, I'll be walking around and that's how you actually get your, you know, kind of increase your rhythm on your tongue and make you more fluid on your tongue by walking around doing that. If you talk fast every day, if you, if you learn to talk fast, say for instance, the guys that basically do uh auction and auctioneers, you know, they practice that stuff by basically trying to talk fast on camera and so forth. And that's all fluid. Your mu muscle memory in your brain is what you're doing. And so uh, again, the best, another good piece of advice is, is to basically put your call down, pick it up, blow into it, try to get that perfect sound, put it back down, pick it up again, just keep on going back and forth. Yeah, that I makes sense. I, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that you know, you you reference how I walk around wearing people out with, with you know, always practicing. I, I'm not going around going. This is, I think this is a good place to start in instruction because this is something that can be practiced with daily without a call. Um, I'm not walking around going here, ducky, 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 here, ducky, ducky. I'm not trying to just be annoying. I'm not going around going quack, 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 quack. I'm going around and trying to use my system. And I call my system the diaphragm in my stomach and my lungs in my chest and my larynx muscle in my throat, my tongue, the fatty tissues of my cheeks and my gum lines, my teeth, my lips, all of that into my hand with my, you know, the, the fatty tissues of my hand comes in more when you have the call. But that first part of that system, you can do your two drills that you just said, you can do with the correct airflow before you even start doing the reset with the actual instrument of the duck call. And that's why I walk around and I'm always doing things like because to me, if you watch a coyote howl or a hen mallard talk and she opens that mouth, right? Or a coyote howls, they're bringing that air from deep down. If you listen to the best singers in the world, they're bringing that air from deep down. If you listen to the best saxophone players in the world, trumpet's a little bit different because you're puffing your cheeks, but saxophone, it's like Kenny G they or Dave Cause, they are bringing that air from deep down. So when I'm walking around, I'm going, mah, 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 mah. that's hot pressurized air and I could feel my abdomen working, my abs, my obliques, my lower abs, my upper abs. I can feel that whole system activating, pulling my belly button in, sucking it into where my belly button is going towards my spinal cord. And I'm when you breathe, you know, when you're breathing and you're filling up your diaphragm, you can press your belly out and really fill that balloon full of air. But as soon as you go to activate and you go to operate that sound and that hot air pressure, you're, you're going almost going to go into abdominal workout position. So if you listen to me practice without a call, I go, and I'm trying to change the pitch and the tone of the mallards, some young ones, some old ones, like you refer to, you know, like boss hens and, and, and all of your, your, uh, your, uh, raspy hens and all of the ones that you refer to that we'll get into. I'm trying to emulate that without a call. Then when I start my feet chuckle, I do the same thing, deep, nasally, 
hot pressurized air. I go, and I catch my air, and then it's, and I'm mixing my throat with the tip of my tongue, but I'm keeping that air pressurized. So before you even do the thing where you set the call down and pick it up, I'm doing, and I'm trying to discipline myself and create a good habit of that hot pressurized air using my entire system. It's not about picking up that call and going, the system comes into effect. The last thing I'll say to what you just alluded to was when you are picking that call up and setting it down and, and starting over, you know, you're turning that switch off and turn it back on. You're making your body go, okay, I got to get that. A lot of people, a lot of duck callers use a step up note or a cheat note. And I'm not saying that you can't kill mallards with this. A judge, you're going to be disqualified if you go into, you know, team calling or live duck calling or main street calling Stuttgart style world championship duck calling. You're not going to score well if you use a step up cheat note. What you're saying, Chris Cifrio, is that this drill teaches you to get your system ready to where when you pick up that call, it goes, it doesn't go, because that's gonna that could kill a duck. They might not even pay pay attention to that cheat note or that step up note. But a real duck doesn't do that. A real duck caller that is practiced, him or her goes picks that call up, and they, they I'm gonna pick it up backwards. They pick it up. <laughs> And they hammer that first note. They know where their hand needs to be. They know their system's ready. So when they pick it up, that's not a good rep, that's not a good representation. I read with stuff. But listen. And there's not that step up or cheat note. Okay. I have headphones on, so I really can't tell the pitch of that. But call down, pick it up. It's like your lanyard's hanging there and you see the mallards and you pick it up and you know you're going to be ready, dead on ready to hit them with that first note because that's going to be a very powerful note. Whether you stand on it, you extend it out, you do the paralyzer call that Phil Robertson at Duck Commander referred to it as. But you know what I'm saying is like your system is ready and you don't need that step up cheat note. So let's start with these two today, that feed chuckle and that that hunting style hell call of having your system ready. Call sitting here. It's on my lanyard. I pick it up. And then when you're practicing, you can mix in the tip of your tongue with the back of your throat, but it's that pressurized hot air, right, Chris? Right. right. Yeah. So basically, you know, like on a hunt style hell call, again, that's like the one that I always wanted to do. You can do that on any call, as long as the call is tuned properly and it's not just pure rasp. Uh, what that reads, just to kind of replicate or, 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 you know, um, let people know what that reads doing is that reads actually, when you do a hen style hell call, you got to have a certain amount of hold in your call to where that read will hold down and it'll string that note out. It don't want too much hold to where it just locks down and it sounds high pitched, but if it's tuned right, you're going to have a call that's going to have that good rasp on top and that, and, and it's going to string out. It's going to be like, but it's going to have rasp in it. Um, that's what a hunting style hill call is versus say a competition hill. But I don't know if you can hear this or not, but I'll do it on a, this is a timber style call. Actually a, a coca bowl of wood. Say, say that again. What kind of call again, is that? What kind of call is that? That's a coca bowl of timber. With a, with a, that's an insert with an acrylic, acrylic barrel. Acrylic. Oh, that sounded pretty. Okay, so wait a minute. Wait a minute, Chris. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, we're starting off with what I just referred to as pick, like when you were saying, you know, picking that call up. But was I right about the cheat note? Yeah, yeah. I don't do it. Uh, by far, I'd never do it. 
cheating note. The only time I'll ever do like a a note to start off with would be say a hiccup, you know. I'll do that on like a hiccup call, but um, kind of like Cajun squeal, whatever you want to call it, bouncing in. There's all all that's going to be in that same little category. But on a hail style call, a hunting style hail, you just again you just want to take and pick the call up, and you're blowing air. There's no cheat in it. You don't need to get a, a amount of air to pup in it and get that. You just need to get that read started. And how I do it in the back of the call is is I'm saying, oot 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 or hut 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 hut. I do oot. That's just kind of how my mouth cavity shape where I can do oot better. But I'll take and take and start out going. <laughs> and if you hear in the back of my throat, I'm actually starting that air. I'm popping that air with my diaphragm, the hot air, and it's a start up to get that restarted. It's just like with a say an engine. An engine's got to take off and it's gonna have that little boost to take off the line. It's gonna be in that low gear. And it's almost like you're in that low gear in your your diaphragm and in your, your your airway to basically get that boost to start that read but here it is again here's an in front of call and the more you open your throat the raspier to be that's where hun style hell comes if you close your throat down and you get that real fine air, that's where you're more getting a ringing style hill. The opening your throat, more you open your throat, the raspier is going to be. I don't know if you can hear the difference in it. Oh, yeah. You started out open and then you, and you the raspy, or you started out with the more clear and then you went to the raspy in the second part. Yeah. So, you know, high pitch sounds are going to carry a lot further than raspy is, right? So, if you're hunting in the wind, you know, real the wind's blowing real good. It's a really sunny day, and you can see mallards above, and you're trying to break those birds. You know, that's what you want to do is you want to hit that more, more closer to a ring, but it's not going to be a competition ring. It's not going to be that. It's going to be. And carry your note all the way down. One thing that I see you do in there, Chris, that I would have a question on for the people, the guys and girls watching you do instruction. If they're watching this on YouTube or they meet you in real life, can you hear me? Yes. Um, you're moving your hand a lot. Now, is this something that you would teach a beginner duck caller? Because to me, the hand can have the tendency to get in the way, mess up your timing. It's more of a rhythm thing for me, right? It's more like keeping that drum beat in the percussion section of a song. But can you get that same effect of your sound and your and the dominance of that hell call that in that breaking those mallards, you know, in that blue sky way up above you? Can you do it with keeping your hand in one position and keeping it more shut? I don't think you can because it's more like, you know, Say for instance, you clap, right? Yeah. So clap, it's just a it's a rhythm of a clap, and it's like pop, 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 pop. Well, when a when a duck quacks, if you watch her on the water, she goes and she opens her mouth, right? So I don't think you can get that rhythm. Yeah, I could probably hold it straight out and control totally by my throat, 
you know, on a competition, you do that. You know, you don't sit there and go, bye, 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 bye. You basically hold, and you make like a, basically a cone, right? So you could do that, but I don't think you get that rhythm of a quack to sound ducky like a hunting style. Hey, let me hear it. Let me hear it one more time. I can try it without a hand. You can tell the difference. Yeah, you can tell the difference. Then I'm a no, no, no hand movement. It'll work. It'll, it'll kill them, but there is a difference. But my my question is, is if you're learning. I just think that that could have the tendency to get in your way if you're trying, if you're flapping your hand too much. It's, it's, it's gotta be oh, perfect because you're going to, you're going to stick the call if your hand's not in the perfect position when that air is hitting that reed, correct? Yeah. You just, you know, learn how to blow the call first, learn how to get that, you know, start to get the hunting style hill. But then if you want to learn your hand position, your hand movement and getting that rhythm down, you actually get in the mirror. Like I'm sitting there looking on the screen right here. And I'll get on the thing and I'll basically just every time I quack, I'm opening my hand, right? And I'm getting that rhythm. That's how you can learn that rhythm. It's by just looking in the mirror and getting in front of the mirror and just basically every time you quack, you open your hand, getting that rhythm down. Okay, Same let me thing try with that. Fecal. So I'm just I'm just getting my I'm just getting my rhythm down. I'm trying to find that duck in there and then you find it. And that's what the note, and you find it right there. So there's, there's different ways that you can get your air. And when you find that duck, that's part of being able to pick up that call and have your mouth and your system and your hand ready, right. To get that duck that you're searching for in that call. And that's a really difficult part of duck calling is having the confidence to pick that call up. You got to have confidence in your instrument. You got to be able to pick it up and find that duck and hit that note. You got to be, be able to pick it up and go, I know that that's the note. I know it's going to be there when I hit the call, but you can't spend a lot of time searching for it when those ducks are overhead. You hear the whistling, you see your dog's eyes go up. You got to be able to react, pull that call. You got to be able to hit them and get that and know that you're going to have confidence in that first note. Because if your first note comes out shabby, it doesn't mean it's over. You can still correct it and get them. But that first note, when they hear that, they might just, that might be the one that gets them to just spin around that first, you know, that lead mallard spin around and lead them into the decoys, right? Yeah, it's kind of like getting in a car and pushing on the gas. You push it too hard, right? It's going to start, you push it and it just kind of, you know, floats your foot on it. It's going to basically, you're going to stumble. And if you push it too hard, you're going to take off the line. You know, if you push it too less, it's going to be slowly creeping. So you got to find that happy medium. You got to find exactly that and feather it. You know, I know that's a great word for the duck call instruction, feather it. But that's what you're doing is you're feathering that call. And you're finding, if I take a call and I pick it up and I immediately just go over the top of it. And, and I'll tell you this. I've told this time and time again is that there are certain calls 
I'll have a call that I might blow around the shop and it's going to be totally different than a call that I'm going to hunt with. And the reason why is because I want a call that I can lean on a little harder. I want a call that I can put a little more pressure into to where when I do get excited and all of a sudden I look up and here's a little flock of mallards and I hit them that I don't blow it over the top. I don't come over the top of the call because you can on a J-frame call. You're not going to do it so much on a small talk or loud mouth or icebreaker or whatnot, but on these J-frame calls, the way they're designed, you're gonna you you can blow over the top of them if you know if you get excited or whatnot. And so finding that happy medium, you know, I I always find that a lot of guys, and this is a true statement right here, a lot of guys that basically they're trying to always find a crutch for their calling. Most every call in the market nowadays is really good. There's all preferences and it's all sound, right? There are differences in sound. But most all of them, I can take any call in the market and I can pick it up and I can sound ducky on it, okay? Now, does it the exact sound that I want? Maybe not be. You know, that's why we design our own. But that being said, you know, I find that people are always looking for that crutch, you know, I've heard people taking their reed, you know, cocking a reed to the left on the tone board, and that's how I like my call. And, you know, I, there's not really no truth in that as far as the reed should be just straight up and down. That's not going to make a difference in your sound. It might have made that reed a little longer for you because you just cocked it sideways or it might have made it shorter or whatnot. But that being said, don't look for a crutch. If I can give any piece of advice, don't look for a crutch. Take any call that you have and learn how to blow that call. Once you learn how to blow a call, unless it's just a call that just don't have any sound to it and it doesn't have any reputation behind it and nobody really knows about it, yeah, it might not be tuned. <laughs> it might be one of these, uh, you know, ones they give out to you in Branson, Missouri when you go ride the duck. But that being said, most all calls on the market are going to have duck sound to it. And find a call, take that call, learn how to blow it. And then once you learn how to blow that call, you'll be amazed of how – you can turn around and uh, and blow any call, pick up any call, and now you find the call that you love and the sound that you love, and that's where we come in. You know, so that that, crutch, that you you talking about crutches and that that cheat note can be a crutch. You've been blowing the hell. Um, let's talk about that hunting style hell because I think that you know you talking about crutches. That's one of the notes that guys and girls are going to develop a crutch because they might not necessarily be able to find that duck right away in the call. It's a big part of your instrument. And like I said before, is having the confidence that, that you know that that duck's in there. So can you pick it up and just find it? But that cheat note can become a crutch. Teach us, Chris Cifrio. Blow into the back of the call. Operate through the back of the call first with no sound. How much air are you presenting? Okay, if the the, the layman the layman's term, sorry, are going to be how hard are you blowing the call? We're not really blowing this call, in my opinion. Okay, how what how pressurized is your air? How powerful is your air to get that hunting style hell call? Okay, so. You know, most like most guys that whenever they do blow, they rear back into it, right? They just rear back into the call and they try to hit it as hard as they can and they end up squeaking it out. And then I'm like, hey, I want to pull you to read out a little bit for you because you feel like that call is too short, the reach too short for you. 
but it's not. It's just that they're blowing over the top of it and they're blowing too much pressurized air. You should not, a call, a call should not work you. You should work the call, right? And so, you know, when you do rear back into a call or whenever you go to blow a hunting style hill call, believe it or not, I'm blowing just as much air by doing this. I don't know if you can hear it if it's cutting out, but I'm blowing just as much air as I'm doing this. You don't see me rear back and try to rip into that call. I'm finding, again, that's where that feather comes in. I'm finding that note. But what I'm doing in a call is, and, and this is how you do it, is you basically, you change your position of your throat. So your throat again, and I've said this before, is that your throat's a valve. And you act like you got a valve on the end of it and you got an on and off switch, right? You got an open and close. And as you open that valve up, that's that much air. You start opening a little more, start up a little more. And then it's a big old burst of air if it's a half inch pipe, whatever it is. So the more you open it, the more volume of air you're going to have. You still got the same pressure behind it. Say you got 110 PSI behind it. We're talking about air compressor or something. And you open that valve. No matter how you open it, you still got 110 PSI, right? You still got 110 PSI behind it. So, you know, the more you open it, you got to find where you open that valve out on your throat, where you're going to get that perfect hail. Because you can't just rear back into it and, and have it to where your, your cavity, your throat's closed down and your diaphragm, you're pinching everything off. That's what they call pinching air. You can't pinch it off and expect to get that ringing style hell or that, or that hunting style hell, let's just say. You got to sit there and find that. So you just open and close your mouth like that as you're open and close your throat as you're sitting there blowing the call and you'll find it. Once you find it, okay, there it is right there. Put the call down, reset it, and see if you can hit that exact note again. So again, what you're saying is, is you're saying oot in the call. <laughs> and you want to find that volume of air in your throat. That's going to be perfect. That's going to sound perfect. That's going to give it that. That's why they call it a hunting style hail. Because that hail call, you're actually hearing somewhat of a ring a little bit into the call. Not like a competition, of course, but a hunting style. But again, what I'm doing is I'm taking and going to call. Picking strap down, I'm not taking and doing a crutch, a starter note, nothing like that. <laughs> it's a volume of air. You don't have to sit there and push into it hard, try to blow harder. If it doesn't sound right, you don't need to blow harder. You need to sit there and use that same volume of air, just like you're doing on a quack. Take your quack. Does it kind of make sense? Big time. But again, I'm taking a volume of air, I'm picking it, put it on the thing. I found that exact pressure where I want, my, my throat exactly where I needed to be. Put it on the counter. And that's why I said the reason why you set it on the counter is because it gives your, again, it gives your mind time to reset. And when you reset your mind, you're not going to do that the same thing you just did. You're going to try something different. But if you just sit here and go, And just sit there and try to find it. I don't find that you're going to be consistent with your sound. That's why I always, whenever I'm hearing the thing, I take it out, pick up calls. And the first thing I do is, uh, first thing on tuning wise, is I hit a hunting style hill. 
and I'll see if it can get that. If I can get that, I'm going to say, okay, well, I know that the call has got some good hold in it, and I'm going to come down to feet call. That being said, you know, uh, any one of our calls, any one of our J-frames, you're going to be able to hit that hunting-style hill call. You should be able to do it. You know, we test that over here religiously, trying to make sure that you can get all the notes that you can possibly get out of it. But, again, what I'm doing is I'm saying, and it's not a lot of pressure. I'm, I'm not pushing myself any harder than I would for, say, a quack. And believe it or not. Not any harder hill, than a quack. No. If anything, I'm probably pushing a little more air into a quack and stringing it out a little more because I'm trying to make it that quack last. I'm not just going. I'm going. That's why I can string that note out so far and so long is because I'm not using much air. I'm using little bits of air. How, how unbelievable is that, that most people would automatically assume that that's a ton of air. That's why it's not really blowing. I, I know that it's hard to not refer to it as blowing a duck call, right? But let's go back to the drill that we've talked about many times as we you know talk about these practice lessons or practice techniques or practice habits that we, you know, that we ourselves work on during this time of the year. I mean, this is not duck season, but this is preparation for duck season. This is going to make our duck season that much more fulfilling if we sound more like mallard ducks. Okay. So picture that piece of Kleenex, the, the smallest, lightest piece of tissue that you can get, not a paper towel, not a shop towel, not a, a towel in your mom's kitchen. I'm talking a piece of tissue, maybe even some of that stuff that comes in, in Christmas gift or b- birthday wrapping, right? That real thin tissue, set it on the table, Chris. And now what you say, or anybody says blow, Blow that piece of tissue like you're blowing out your birthday cake candles. And then present air to that tissue like you're operating a duck call. And that, when you blow on that tissue like it's candles, it's going to shoot across that table and blow off of the table to the other end of it. It might even raise an elevation a foot or two. If you present the air to that tissue like you're talking about with that little those little bursts of air that are that are that are presented the right way, you can put your hand in front of your mouth and when you get that air right, I can't feel a burst of air hit my hand. I can I know there's air, a little tiny bit of air coming out, but I'm controlling it. But if I blow on my hand, I can almost push my hand back. I could feel that air hit my hand. If you lick your hand and then blow it, you could feel the, the temperature change. So when you present the air to that little light piece of thin tissue, it's barely going to hover. It might move a tiny, tiny bit, but it's definitely not going to just blow off of the table and shoot out across it. And I think that that's a good way of, of, of analyzing what you're saying or you know depicting it and describing it of that tissue should just sit there and hover. No matter if you're doing short little quacks, if I just do short little bursts of air and I blow on it, it's still going to blow across that table and shoot across. If I just, and I'm controlling that air, it's just going to hover and stay right where you have it laid on that table. Does that make sense, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the reason why guys, you know, you'll see a guy try to do a ring and hail or, or a hunting style hail and, and they maybe have six notes in them and they're out of air, you know? 
competition callers, a little trick they do is they'll actually put a pocket of air in here and they'll do like a chickmunk does. And they'll slowly squeeze that air out and they'll let that air into the call. And that's where they're basically pulling, just pulling air out, pulling it all the way out of their diaphragm and all the way out of their you know throat. And then constantly they'll have a little flow of air that'll be in their cheeks. But that being said, yes, I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. I mean, it's just like getting in a pickup truck, pushing on the gas, right? You're popping it. If you put in four low, you ever put a truck in four low and just hit it and it just jumps like yep. that? That's what your air is doing is your air is just popping. And it's little bits, little bits of air. You know, it's not a huge volume of air. If you take a call and you blow straight, straight cold air into it, just like you said, blow into a call, um, it's just going to rattle the reed. There's nothing that you're, you're not taking that reed and making it vibrate like that. You're just making it go like this. Another good example is just the helium balloon, Chris, right? If you think about all the pressure built up in a balloon and then you control that valve, which is the opening of that balloon where you put the air in the first place without popping it, you can let out short little bursts for three hours, depending on the side of the balloon, or you can just let it go and let it float there up into the air and make the, the weird sounds. And then it's gone in a hurry. And that's right. kind of the same analogy, right? Like if you control that helium air, like Alvin and the chipmunk sound, maybe you can sit there and open and close it for an hour and have that balloon still have air in it. It's the same as your diaphragm, right? Or Okay, on a goose call, people are like, how are you blowing so many notes on the same breath? It's because I'm breathing in and out of every note, right? I'm controlling that call. It's my beak. With a duck call, you're keeping that air controlled. You might fill up your diaphragm and be able to do what I just did. And still have the ability to stay ducky at the bottom end, right, Chris? Which is a big part of that hell note that you're doing that you still want to, they're going to hear that front part of that call for sure and start reacting. But as they react to it and they start gravitating towards that hole or that decoy spread or where that sound's coming from, like we've talked about in Arkansas before, they're pinpointing that audio a lot in that dark timber. So as they start gravitating towards that, you might be calling hell calling, hunting hell calling at ducks that are way up there trying to break them. But at the same time, you got some at just a hundred yards that surprise you from the right. So a real duck caller, a real duck call operator wants to stay mallardly. So, and then all of a sudden, if these ducks closer are hearing you and these ones higher starting to gravitate and drop and fold, you know, lose elevation and lose altitude and start, you know, falling into your zone, you want to sound ducky on the bottom end too, correct? Right, right. And I can tell you, this is another thing I tell people is, is that uh, learn how to blow a call that the read is, don't put a long read in your call. Don't take and put, you know, a long read to where you got to blow the call real hard. You know, some of the best callers in the, in the world, um, you know, and one guy that was ex just nuts on the call was Tyler Merritt and, of course, Ken Cullen. And those guys, if you pick up their call and you go to blow in it, you're like, good Lord, how do you blow this thing? You know, because it's it's the read so short in it, but they've learned how to be perfect control in that call, be perfectly fluent in that call. And and they've learned that. And by doing that, they can have a real short read by having a short read. Again, you're going to blow over the top of it real easy. Right. But if you learn to open that throat, if you can take a short read call and you can learn to open your throat, 
and you can blow, learn to blow hunting style hill, you got it, dude. You got it. Same thing on a feed call. If you can take and make a feed sound good on a short read, you're fine. But if you have a long read, a long read, again, makes somewhat of a crutch. Again, like you're, like you're hunting. I, and here, I'll blow a call that's got a shorter read in it. When I go hunting, I'll blow a call that's got a little longer read in it because I I tend to blow over the top of it sometimes because I'm trying to get – I'm getting excited and I've got people coming in. But I, but I learn in here and, I, and I, I, I make calls in here and I don't tune them. I tune them as a hunting style hill to go out the door. But the ones that I blow just blowing around – I tend to put a read just a tad bit shorter. Um, but I'm telling you, if you learn to blow a shorter read, a read that's a little bit shorter than you normally would have in the field, you'll learn to blow that hunting style hill because you have no choice. Are you going to blow? So is this a good practice technique? It is. It is? It's a, it's a practice technique because uh, every competition caller I know you know, Tyler Brashear, say, for instance, he comes to shop one time and he's sitting there blowing his competition routine. And I grabbed his call and I'm like, good Lord, Tyler, how are you blowing this thing? And he's like, man, I've always, always been scared of finding more air. And with the short read, I've got plenty of air, you know, basically all my putts. So, so of course, you know how it is. A shorter read, you know, you're going to use less air. A longer read, you got a real long read and it's like freaking – for, you know, takes forever to get that thing started and it takes a lot of air to get it moving. So yeah, there's a happy medium in there. Um, and it kind of sounds contradictory to where we were saying as far as on, you don't use a lot of air. You don't, but if you're using a shorter read, you're going to use even that much less of air, especially in competition calling, you know, ringing style hills and so forth. So uh, he, he, you know, his calls are real short. Not, hell, Tyler Merritt's was even shorter than that. His calls were even... Like when you're saying short, are you talking about barely covering the, the, the tone channel? Yeah, I mean, it's like maybe a 16th past the tone channel. I mean, they're, they're short. Ken Combs, is, he's got a short one too. Um, and again, they just, they've learned how to be fluent on that. They've learned how to control that call. There's all kinds of guys out there. I'm just naming a few. But most all of them that I know, you'll pick up their call and you're expecting, man, they probably got their read long and so forth. And you'll pick it up and go to blow it. And you're like, good Lord, this thing's short. And some people can blow harder than others. I got my buddy, Adam, that can, golly, man, he can rip on a cut down call. I don't know. He, I don't know how he blows it that hard. And I don't know how he has that much air to blow that long of a recall, but he does. And it's air presentation. Again, it comes down to cut down call and J frame is air presentation. But getting back to a hunt style hill, that's what you want to do is, is, you know, steps is, is to take the call, put it on the counter, pick it up, blow it. Okay. Pick that call up off the counter and present your air into it backwards, please. The way that you would, the, the way that you would present your air into a hunting style hill calls, Right now, sitting on a table, but we're we're you know emulating. It's hanging on your lanyard. Yep. You're, you're in the woods. You're in the boat. You're in an oxbow. You're in a river. Whatever it is, bluebird sky. You look up. There's mallards. You need to break them down. Go. Okay. Set the call down. Go. If you hear that, there's always it's like a pop. That, it's like a throat. Your throat's popping almost. It's popping. So again, 
but it's always popping, but it slowly goes away, right? Slowly gets a little softer, a little so softer. So are you are you telling our duck hunting audience that even though people will say, well, ducks don't do that when they hear a main street caller do their hail call, you have a lot of notes in that hunting style hail just now. Yep. Ducks don't really make that many notes. Now, several ducks together do though. So the ducks in the air aren't really picking that apart going, wow, that hen's got a big ass diaphragm. They're going, <laughs> wow, I just hear ducks that are ducky. They, they heard it way up there. And as they start to work and get closer, they're still hearing it. That's what we're trying to emulate. It's like, hey, it's not about one duck making that sound. It's not about you being able to go, well, ducks don't do that. We're simply teaching you that the control and these short little bursts of air with the control of air pressure with your, with your system, you can get that many notes staying ducky all the way down to the bottom, giving those ducks in the air, no matter what elevation they start to get to, the idea of like, wow, they sound like ducks down there. They're talking. There's a bunch of decoys. I see them on the water. Whatever it is, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. So basically, the only reason we're the only reason we blow, yeah, hunting style hill does not sound totally 100 percent like a duck. Well, what it is, it's an intention getter. So by the time that, and I said this before, whenever I sit there and I shout your name, Chad, and you're across the yard, you're not going to hear the whole word Chad. You're not yeah. going to hear the whole word, Jack. You're going to hear just a piece of it. And you're going to be like, huh? And you're going to turn around. And that's the same thing ducks do. They get a piece of that, and they're curious, and they turn around. And then that's when you start getting ducky when they come in. But that being said, a mallard hail call on the water sounds like this. It doesn't sound like... It doesn't sound like that. This is what a mallard hail call does on the water. Don't you agree? I hear it. I hear a step up. Are you step? Are you using a step up note in that? No. It sounds. It's just because of the recording. It sounded, it sounded like you were. Do it one more time. Yes, that sounds like a mallard duck. That's a mallard hail call, right? That's what they do in the water. So we're trying to replicate that. But, hey, how can we get louder? How can we get more aggressive? How can we make the bird just turn around? Yeah, you don't want to do a hail st- If you got birds on the timber, and, you, and I've seen guys do it, get them on the timber, and they'll do that real high pit. Ooh, I don't like that. And Yeah, and sometimes they get away with it. I'll be honest with you. They do, you know. But sometimes I go fishing, and I happen to catch a six-pounder, you know. Yeah. But that being said, you know, you've got to sound realistic when they start getting close. And people say, hey, look, you know, why she I never get quiet on a call. You know, yeah, the only days that you can you can get away with not being quiet are the days that it's windy. But you blow a call straight in a duck's face, unless they just been in there eating like crazy and they haven't seen a human in a week and a half, they're gonna be that you're gonna flare them. You're probably gonna flare them. And some days it's like that. Sometimes you can't do. You can walk out in the decoy spread and they land around you. But you want to sound the most realistic as they start getting closer to you. But in order to get their attention, the hunting style hill call, there's no other call, you know, that you can blow out in the field that's gonna that's gonna turn, turn beaks or turn bills. You know. No, I, I I think that that's exactly what I wanted to get at today is, and I'm glad you started with the hunting style hill. I just think that knowing what to practice, you know, a hen mallard does go, mah, 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 mah. 
And if you just did that at high ducks, you're not going to kill them. Now, like you said, if they're coming there and they see a spinning wing maybe and there's a lot of visual, but if you're going off of audio, they're not going to hear that. They're just not going to hear that. Even on a still day, they're not going to hear a real uh, what a hen mallard does all the time. No, okay? we've blown, we blown this past year. We blew butchers. No, not butchers. Um, uh, I referred that back to because I used to have a butcher, and that's what basically the live ducks have to do. Loud mouth, small talk, live duck. Live ducks and, and paradoxes on a real windy day. I'm talking about it's windy and no response. Picked up that loud mouth and it was like night and day. Yeah. I mean, literally night and day because of the pitch and so forth. So, you know, there's times and scenarios, which you, again, you're trying to be as aggressive as you possibly be. You want them to hear you. If they can hear you, you know, there's no use to be louder than what they need to be, you know, for them to, you to be heard. So you don't need to blow louder, louder than what you need to be heard. So, um, anyways, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. No, we're, we're, we're ta- we were talking about why the hunting style hell and why it's a great habit to get into practicing it and finding that first note of being able to get some volume out of the call that you're entrusting in that has, you know, that you have confidence in. Can you pick it up, find that duck and hit that hunting style how, how, hell call to where you know that you can get ducky mat, 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 a little bit, which that takes a lot of practice too. We're going to talk about that in future episodes here at the Fat Life Podcast, but to pick it up mah, 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 without ringing it. You don't need to ring it like them judges are used to hearing on Main Street in Stuttgart. Mah, 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 and then bring it all the way down the spectrum, all the way down the scale, staying ducky and finishing with some ducky quacks. Mah, 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 mah. Okay? Because when they didn't hear the, all of that first note and they turned and they're like interested now, now they're hearing the rest of those notes in that hill or at least some of them. You want to stay ducky on that. So I think it's a great idea to start practicing that right now could be the most important call in your arsenal. Once they hear that, you might have them. You might have them. You might not need to say another word. You might just need to and finish them. But once you hear that and it sounds legit, you might have them. You might just need to get your shotgun ready and, and tell your dog to get ready. Right. Yep. Um, and I'll do this too, referring back to, you know, uh, you know, foul life of course has tons and tons of singers that, you know, y'all, communicate with and friends with and so forth. Just tell me a song. I'll sing for you. (laughs) Well, what's one artist that, you know, that's a female artist that holds a note, right? So if you're going and you're standing in front of a American Idol, right? And you're going to sing and you're holding a note, this real high pitched note. And you all of a sudden go, ah, like it goes in and out. Right. Well, Hey, the docky points. Oh, well, look, she didn't hold that note perfectly, so forth, right? The same thing on a hunt style hill call. That's what I'm trying to get across is, is that you're trying to hold that note just as like an artist, a female artist would. Uh, what's, what's some good ones that hold like Carrie Underwood? I mean, it's like extremely strong on top. Eh. Uh, no? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just Allison Krauss. Yeah, Allison Mar- Krauss. Miranda Lambert. Pride. Martina McBride is really good. Susan um, T- Susan Tedeschi, yep. Bonnie Bonnie Ray, <laughs> Adele can hold a note pretty good. But I know what you're saying without that wavering. Yeah, without that wavering. Yeah. So that's what you don't want to do on a hunt style hill call is have that wavering on any really note. You don't want to be coming in and out. And I've seen that a lot where guys are just in and out of their note. 
they're falling in and, and out. A, and, a, and a great way to figure that out is it's hard to sometimes tell if you're doing that a lot just because of the sound going from your mouth and your ear picking it up behind where the sound is, you know, exiting that call. You got to record yourself. You have to get a good recording system. You have to get in front of somebody or record on your, uh, on your, on your MacBook or your iPhone or whatever and play the audio back, but try to get a good microphone system, a good audio capture system. If you really want to get what you sound like and you can break down that, that hunting style hill a lot easier with being able to play it back. It's almost impossible to hear what you're doing exactly until you get it down and you entrust in that call and everything and you got it down. Then you can have, you know, confidence like, yeah, that was it. But a lot of times, like when I pick up a call and I have, and I'm out of practice for a couple months or whatever, after duck season, I got to record it and say, am I on? Is it sounding right? Or I got to run it by you or whatever and have you shake your head and go, not even close, dude. (laughs) But okay. So the hunting style hell, we picked up the call. I don't know if it's a good idea to go right into the feed off of that because there's so much in between that. But the, the one thing that might be have some similarity is those short little quacks, those bursts of air are really a great way to teach a hunting style feed call or a separator call, or what do you call it? What do you call it? A feeding chuckle? Do you call it a feeding chatter? There's all kinds of, it's just a feed, right? You can, there's different parts of your mouth and your tongue and your throat and your vocal cords that we're using on this. There's all kinds of things that you can start getting tricky with off of what I like to refer to what you do is a power feed. You get that because that can control ducks into the hole after you break them down with that hunting style hell. So is it a good idea to go right into a, a feed, Chris, or a chatter after you're learning, after you're trying to tell somebody, hey, let's work on this hunting style hell first? Um, well, of course, I mean, the first thing that you want to do overall, you know, yeah, Getting the hunt style hell. That's what I did. I, I learned how to blow hunt style hell. I probably did it backwards from everybody else. But, uh, you know, by learning a hunt style hell, I learned to be fluent. I learned to hold that note. So what I, the next thing I did as I was trying to get my quacks, just to, just one quack, didn't matter what it was, you know, fine, raspy, coarse in, whatever I wanted to find in the call, that's what I found. So I would say probably the quack's the most important thing. You can kill... There's sometimes ducks don't even want a feed call, you know, uh, but you, as long as you break them, you can sit there and quack them all the way down in the hole. You know, ducks will sit on the water and quack. So, I mean, let's go to a quack and just say, okay, this is how we, this is how you do a quack. Um, this is how you really get a quack down. Um, and what you're trying to do is, is you're trying to hold that note again, just like a hunting style hill call. You're trying to hold that quack. People, a quack is not, just real quick air. It's not quick air. It's not. It's just a straight, you know, soft, not trying to push the call to the limits, not trying to overblow the call. It's basically just finding that happy medium again. You can have your quack slow. You can have your quack a little bit longer. But you just got to find that quack. Find that happy medium. And just continue to do it. That's what I'm doing in the call. Again, I'm still, you can still hear that start in my throat. It's not a start of note. It's a start in my throat. 
I'm saying oot, 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 but I'm taking away the word. You see, it's not like a lot of pressure, right? The, a lot of people sit there and they go, and they blow too hard. And they go, it's not what you want to do. You want to be easy on a call. You want to let the read work for you. You're just blowing in the air. You're just trying to, if the call's tuned right, it's going to sound right. And again, same thing you're doing like you're doing Hun style hill. Put it on the counter, right? Pick it up. Try to get that note perfect. Every time. Trying to get that note perfect, perfect. Because if you get that note perfect too, you've already done it on Hun style hill. You're doing it on quack now. Now all you're doing is, is taking those quacks, and again, you can just put them together. That's all Hun style hill is, is quacks put together. And you just extend so are, them out. So are greeters. So are greeters. So are and the, and the feed is a bunch of, and the feed is a bunch of shorter quacks, in my opinion. Mac, it is, mac, mac, but mac, a mac. feed is, um, you know, a lot of people do a feed call, ticka, 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 but try to do ticka, 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 quack, but try to do you can put your feeds and your 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 quack together. That sounds like mallard ducks. By doing so, so calls on the table. Pick it up. There you go. comes off the quack it all comes off the quack i mean everything did everything. that sound did that sound terrible chris no it sounds great it does and that, what you were doing you were taking it picking it up and when you were doing a quack again and i you know there's a fine there's a course there's a raspy and a boss and you, that's like you know advanced okay you got to get the quack down you got to get the hunt style hill call down it doesn't matter how you do it it doesn't matter exactly if you're doing a fine a course a raspy you're probably going to be more of a course, in my opinion, than a raspy or a boss. But once you get that down, you get that quack down, it's a stepping stone of jumping into, okay, well, now how can I get more ducks in my arsenal? How can I, by taking this call, how can I sound more ducky? How can I sound like a, a group of ducks versus just one straight ducks? You know, there is basically a majority of people that blow a duck call are going to sound like one single duck unless mm. they pick up a different call or whatnot. But even I've seen a lot of times where they pick up another call and they sound the same way they sound on that call. But, you know, in order to open up your arsenal, that's where you're starting to get into. That's why people say, man, I can take this call and I can get like seven ducks out of it. What they're doing is, is they're getting fine, coarse, raspy, boss hen, and they're getting ducks in between all those. You know, they're taking a fine and making a little bit coarse, taking a coarse and making a little in between raspy and that. And you can start. This is this is this is the stuff that that a duck caller that is proficient 
And like, let, like, okay, let's just put it this way. I can kill ducks. Okay. I can blow, I can operate a duck call in my opinion. I've won live duck contests. I've won meat contests. I've impressed judges. I've killed ducks and called ducks and, and seen reactions out of ducks. But when I get around a really, really good duck caller, I can automatically tell the difference as soon as I'm around somebody like you or Stevens or Jimbo or Kent Colum or Merritt or these guys that John David Stanley, guys that just know how to manhandle a call. It's a huge difference between my level and theirs. That's why we started this conversation off by saying we never stop learning. That's one thing I've learned is I never stop learning. I'm in my 40s. And when I get around somebody like you, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to have Jim Ronquist on the podcast next Monday, he's coming on to talk duck calling, right? As soon as I get around somebody like those guys, I automatically defer. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'll just run the shotgun over here, right? It's like me having a shotgun going, I can kill ducks. And then going out and trying to shoot with Tom Knapp, rest his soul, okay? There's different levels of everything. There's different levels that we can learn. And now what you're talking about with these different ducks in your arsenal, this is how you start going, man, she or he knows how to run a duck call. They have that young duck. They have that old duck. They have that mid-range duck. They have that adolescent duck. They have that 21-year-old shit-talking duck. They got them all in there. Now listen to that feed chatter. Listen to that power feed. Listen to those quacks. Listen. It's the reason why you say that. It, it, it comes down to practice like you're talking about. Okay, There's, We're in off-season. We're trying to practice. You shoot a shotgun, you've probably put more shells through a shotgun than I have. I know you have, okay? So I guarantee you, and you had a contest a while back that you went over there in Atlanta and whatnot, and you shot a shotgun and won the tournament and so forth. You can shoot a shotgun better than me. I know I know you can. But you shoot more than I do. A lot more. You go up to Canada, you go into California. But, I don't, but, but here's the deal with that. Here's the other part of that, though. And this is duck calling 101, too, is I was just with uh, – I was just with um, God, somebody in California the other day, and we were talking about shotgunning. And they're like, man, you really shoot? I'm like, well, I got the power of editing. And they're like, no, we, we've, we've, hunted, we've hunted around you. We know you can shoot. And they started talking about this, is that I go on a sporting clays course, and I'll be damned if I get over a 69 or a 70. Don't take it that serious. Don't practice enough. Don't know the, don't know the windage. Don't know the leads. Don't know the uh, – maybe don't even – Cheeking the shotgun right or shouldering it right. But when ducks present themselves or can of geese or specs, my instincts as a hunter take over. And I know how to just grab that gun and put it on them and smoke them with a lead or get that high-vis sight on them and, and smoke them. Same thing with that call hanging on your lanyard or sitting on the table. A good duck caller, man or woman, knows how to pick that call up and get that note right away. There's a difference between shotgun and animals and and then having the time to think and practice on the same sporting clay course for nine days in a row. Ducks, but it comes down to muscle memory. It's it, huh? It comes down to muscle memory. Mus, muscle memory and instincts. Yeah, the same thing with the call is is that you know yes, am I going to blow a hell call better a hunt style hell call better than somebody that's basically you know out on the street that hadn't probably blown their call all year long? I do it every single day. I'm picking it up. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to make it better. I'm trying to sound more ducky every single time I'm doing it. But I do it a lot. And what I mean by that is in the timber, you know, we can only shoot four mallards here. You know, uh, most everything we're after, we're not going to shoot six ducks. We're going to shoot four mallards, and that's it. We're going to the house. We don't care about shooting wood ducks. don't care about shooting any other duck, other than if we can maybe go on a field hunt or whatnot. We don't really shoot geese over here, Canada geese. I mean, heck, there's places that you can shoot. What What is it like? What's the limit in California? 
in Nevada and stuff and for geese, Canada it, geese. In the early season, you can kill you can kill eight to ten Canada geese a piece wow. in the early California season. Specs. What's the spec limit? Ten. Okay, so everything is higher is what I'm trying to say. So you're doing it a lot more. We get in the timber, we might shoot four. We might not even shoot anything. We might not even pull a shotgun up off the lanyard, you know, and, and, and get a shot at all. But we blow a lot more. We're constantly blowing, constant, 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 trying to just get something to react. You know, we might have four or 500 groups come over us the whole morning, or we might even have 20. But we're going to blow constantly trying to get that reaction in a field hunt or if you're open in Canada so forth. Um, I feel like being on X is more, it's just as important as your calling, right? You told me before, hey, you got to be on the X in certain spots up there. I mean, you look at a field that's probably a two or 300 acre field, uh, maybe even bigger than that. And you got to be somewhat on the X to even get them to respond to you. But that's what I'm saying is, is that the more you do it, the more you practice, but the more you do it, the better you're going to be. The more efficient you're going to be in what you do. It takes it with bass fishing. It takes it with duck hunting. It takes it with anything you do. You put, you, you go out and play tennis every day, you're going to be better at it. But but uh, I want to make sure that we understand that there is a such thing as what we call proper practice techniques. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I could wrestle. I could wrestle like I'm ultimate warrior and go in there and try to put somebody in a choke lock or jump off the top turnbuckle. That's not how I'd practice to wrestle Kyle Dake or, 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 you know, the magic man, the, the magic man from freaking Penn state. There's no ad going against David Taylor and go, all right, I'm the ultimate warrior. I'd have to practice to be a folk style traditional wrestling guy or I'd get my butt kicked. Right. You got to have proper practice techniques. I can't say that I'm going to practice blowing a duck call and just go in there and do it with techniques that aren't right. It's like hitting yeah, a baseball. A lot of kids think hitting a baseball, let's swing the bat until our hands bleed and blister. No, 20 quality hacks is better than 150 terrible hacks that aren't proper for sure. Don't tire yourself out and wear yourself out when you're not doing it right. That You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you take Tim Montana. I mean, he about took you at the lodge that day, you know? Did you think he did? I'll tell him to listen to this. He still talks about it. I was texting with him the other day. It always comes up. He still wants to know. He wants a rematch. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Same results, bro. <laughs> Same results. See, yeah. he, see, he tried to wrestle like George the Animal Steel that night, and I wrestled like I'm Dan Gable, and you saw what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I love Tim Montana. Did you see him on Outdoor Channel? He did an awesome job. The thing about it is, dude, he's like a meathead. You can't stop him. He just kept coming at me. It's like a speed bag. You just keep popping it and popping it. What does it do? It just keeps presenting itself right back in your in the right where your fist goes. Like stop! (laughs) Please stop! Please stop! It's almost like me and you duck calling together. You're like, please stop, stop, and I just keep coming back. Nope. Well, uh, this is what I want to do. I think this was good. This is an awesome deal for summer practice, proper summer practice techniques, summertime proper practice techniques with jargon. I wanted to keep putting these out there. We're going to start with that, with that, with the quack again, and then we'll go into the feed chuckle. I don't want to get ahead of myself. There's so much in duck calling. There's so much. And and the thing about it is, is do five minutes a day, literally Mm -hmm. five, maybe 10 minutes. Same thing with dog training. Everybody that I talk to, you know, I train my own dogs, and of course, there's guys that train yours and so forth, but I train my own, and I, my dog can do everything I needed to do, run lines and run 
you know, four or five hundred yard blinds. But that being said, I've neglected my dog about the past year. I'm fixing to get back in it, start running her again. But of course, she comes from a good breed, and that makes a lot of difference. When too, are you breeding her with Alex or with Axel? Whenever you're ready to rock, we're ready to rock. Normally comes in right before duck season. She comes in, so let's do it. That every person I talk to, they're like, I don't have time to train my own dog. And yeah, I mean, of course, if you don't have the know-how, yeah, don't do it because you can ruin a dog, especially if you pay good money for it. But training a dog is all basically five, ten minutes a day, every day, morning, night. Come in morning time, and you can do it one time a day, but I say twice a day, ten minutes a morning, ten minutes a night. That's all you need for a dog. And you do that 365 days a year, you wouldn't believe what kind of dog you're going to have after 365 days. That dog is going to be unbelievable. But it's all about repetition, constantly doing it, and learning the right things. If you teach a dog the wrong way, that dog is going to know it the wrong way from day one all the way to the day you know he dies. But if you teach him the right way and you do learn the right way and you instill that in the dog, that dog is going to be the best dog you can possibly have, and he's going to, he's going to remember that. Same thing with your kids. Everything is about instilling the right way to do it. And that's what you're doing with duck calling is, is you're trying to learn the right way. Once you learn the right way and you create that habit and you create that muscle memory, I can promise you, yes, five years, if I don't pick up a duck call for five years, will I be rusty when I pick it up in five years? I absolutely will. But will I still have that muscle memory? Absolutely. I'm and, and, yeah. And the other thing about that is uh, teaching an old dog new tricks. You know, you get a dog that's 10 years old and you try to put him through, you know, the training that some of our young dogs go through. He's going to learn some stuff. You can teach him, but he's not going to get it into his mind as easy as that duck is that dog that hasn't had all of those bad habits instilled in him for years. You know, breaking when the guns go off or dropping one duck and picking another one up or grabbing a decoy instead of the duck. Or there's all kinds of things that I've seen dogs do. Right. A, a dog that starts at the right age and gets it instilled in him, the chances of him making those mistakes or her, her making those mistakes, they're, they're, the odds are way lower. So you being a guy that, ha- that, that has all of these good habits and duck calling and you put it down for five years, yeah, you'll pick it up and be able to learn the new tricks a little bit easier because your muscle's going to go, okay, there it is. Okay, there it is. But that's because you developed all these good habits when you were younger. And that's what I was trying to say. Right now is a perfect time to start no matter what age you are. The younger you are, start these good practice techniques and these good habits. If you... Are, are eight years old and your mom and dad take you through the same McDonald's drive through every day, twice a day sometimes, and you're sitting there going, wow, these are the good habits, man. This is, this fries are salty and this Big Mac is so good. Well, those are shitty habits. And then when they're 18 and they're 200 pounds overweight, it's because those habits were instilled in them when they were young. Same with the dog, same with whatever you want to refer to in life. You got to have good habits and it's better to start now. Right, Chris? No more McDonald's drive-through. I've I've dropped twenty-five pounds since I've seen you at the Crab Shack. Absolutely. Oh, you look good then, man. You must be svelte right now. <laughs> svelte. I'm running, dude. Trying to get back in shape, man. That's what I do. Is I get back in shape, and then uh, and then duck season I'll, comes on, and it's like, hey, will you put some gravy on these French fries so I can dip it in this mayonnaise? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put that in. Hey, I love season, it. Right? I love duck season. I do the same thing. I work out for duck season. Because I'm yep. not going to say no to it, but I got good habits most of the year. Let's get good yeah. habits. Let's teach good practice habits. That's why I think yep. that, you know, learning the right practice habits, there's there's ways to say words into a call like you talked about today, but there's also ways of knowing that the practice habits are going to teach you that air control. <laughs> I'm not really saying a word right there. I'm just, 
I'm steaming up that window. I'm cleaning off my Oakley sunglasses. I'm trying to get that Kleenex to hover above the table without blowing it off the table. Next time you turn, you know, your next birthday, try to blow out those birthday candles like you're operating a duck call. They're not going to go out. You might get one to go out, but they're going to flicker. They're going to pop. They're just going to pop and come back on. So I don't know. There's a lot of ways to look at it. I think we're on to something here, though. I think we're on to some proper practice techniques and creating good habits. Yeah, I wish there was a way. I can tell you this, too, and I've told <laughs> I told people uh, there's one one machine that you can buy. You know that uh, that machine that you have that you blow into it and it's got a little dial? And uh, I, yeah, can't remember what I use it all the time for asthma. Okay. Well, I don't know what it's called, but anyways, and they're not expensive at all, but that actually builds your diaphragm up. And, um, I had guys, I had a couple of those and I had guys, some guys that bought those while I was in Louisiana, whenever I had a call shop over there. And, and I was like, man, if you can, if you can hold that, that ball up for so long, yep. it'll build your diaphragm up and believe it or not. But when you did that, when you pulled in, that's where it was coming from. And I was like, that's where you need to pull it from. That's where your air needs to come from. And a lot of them picked up on that and it's just sort of clicking with them. Yep. So don't let it uh, drop. That's a great yeah. point. That's a great machine. We'll get the name of it and talk about it the next time we're here. Chris, will you send me a note on that after this podcast? Yep. Speaking of, what do you think of that new hat, that real tree timber jargon patch hat? Is that sharp? Oh yeah. We got tons of them in stock. They're ready to rock, man. They're in stock, ready to roll. Jargongamecalls.com. Yep. We, we got so a night t-shirts more sweatshirts more hats uh yeah. and fixing to have something coming up pretty soon really yep what uh it what's the start with, starts with a what starts with a w and ends with a d oh would you if you could you yep <laughs> would you could you all yes. right foul life podcast brought to you by our friends at gerber gear Stay sharp, America. Be safe with that blade. Brought to you by our friends at Jargon Game Calls. Hopefully you boys and girls, men and women, duck hunters, enjoyed that today. We're not going to go out with a song. We usually go out with 2AM Logic, My Foul Life. Today we're going to go out with a little team call. And Chris, what call model is that Coca-Cola insert with that acrylic barrel? That's chit-chat. Chit-chat. I remember you saying that. I have a foul house edition. Live duck. And ivory acrylic. We're going to do a little team call. Start us off, Chris. Thank you all for listening to the Foul Life Podcast. We'll be back at you with another episode with Chris Sifrio, owner and co-founder of Jargon Game Calls. We're going to start with more instruction here shortly. Thank you all for listening to the Foul Life Podcast. Hit him, Chris. This is the chit-chat and the live duck. <laughs>